You are listening to KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. I am broadcasting live from the MCOE studio in Ukiah, California. Support for KZYX comes from our members and Ukiah Brewing Company in the heart of downtown Ukiah, providing the community with quality house-made beer, food, local wines, and artisan cocktails. Featuring a newly remodeled brew house and all new beer recipes. For more information and music calendar, go to ukiahbrewing.com or call 707-468-5898. Hello, this is Elizabeth Archer. You are listening to the Farm and Garden Show. It's very exciting to be here with you once again. Also, I recently went to the Ukiah Brewing Company for the first time in a while, and it was delicious. So I highly encourage you to check it out, especially if you have young kids. I took my five-year-old, and we got the kid pizza, which was very large, very generous portion, and well-priced. So, yeah, check it out. Today on the Farm and Garden Show, we are doing things, just not things differently, but um, our topic is a little bit different than normal, although I do think it's related to certainly the food in our area. Um, but, you know, farming and gardening are part of community health, so I think we're going we're gonna to get away with this one. Our guests both work for the newly formed Blue Zones Mendocino Project. If you have heard of Blue Zones, this is going to be an opportunity to learn more, and if you haven't heard of Blue Zones, um, it might blow your mind because it's a pretty big deal. In studio with me today, I have Lucy Bartholomew, the public policy advocate, and Michelle Duarte, the office and senior events lead of Blue Zones Mendocino. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you. So let's start with Michelle. You are the office and senior events lead for Blue Zones Mendocino. Can you tell us a little bit about your own history in Mendocino County, um, especially if you have any background in food and farming? Yes. Um, well, thank you for having us on the show today. Um, we'll start off with uh, I've been living here my since six months, and I um, grew up in multiple communities, including Fort Bragg, Willits, um, Covalo and Ukiah. And so I've been here for a while and uh, my journey started at Community Wellness Unit in Public Health. And there, um, our onboarding was kind of like uh, read an ar- article about Blue Zones Project because, you know, it's so, um, it's, it's pretty much like, I don't know, like um, similar, you know? And so, um, I came across this article about Blue Zones. A team of researchers, including Dan Butner, National Geographic fellow, um, and his team, and uh, the highest number of they traveled around the world, and um, they uh, with the highest number of so they went around the world. Excuse me. <laughs> it's okay. I love National Geographic. <laughs> so you. whatever you have to say about National Geographic, <laughs> I'm in. Totally. Yeah. So they traveled around the world found that there were places around the world that there were a high number of centenarians. and so Centenarians, like people yeah. that are 100 or older. Uh-huh, exactly. Old folks. Totally. And so um, those, those findings, we are trying to implement that into our work. 
And so, uh, so we're trying to make the healthy choice the easy choice. And so when I heard that it was going to be here in Mendocino County, I was just ready. So making the healthy choice the easy choice for Mendocino County. Cool. All right, Lucy, your turn. You are the public policy advocate for Blue Zones Mendocino. Same questions. Um, you and I have met before today. Uh, <laughs> and so I know you have some background in food. Can you tell us a little bit about your own history in Mendocino County and your background in food and farming? Yeah, of course. So so food and farming have really been like the uh, cornerstone sort of guiding light of my uh, career and <laughs> sense of purpose and is actually the the reason why I came to Mendocino County. So I uh, first came to Mendocino County in 2013 and sort of a a classic uh, come to Mendocino County story where I came here for two months uh, to learn uh, about agriculture uh, through Ecology Action and John Jevons. And those two months um, were up and I basically never left <laughs> so very uh, similar to my coming to you guys story yeah. <laughs> to just one year before you i well, came as a farm volunteer i remember meeting you i think the first time we met was like six years ago or something like that <laughs> sounds right <laughs> so i i started um by learning to grow food under ecology action i have worked as a as an educator and a um Farmer teacher trainer with with youth through Camp Mendocino, um, and you know fluttered around doing all of this different work, primarily direct service work or uh, food cultivation. Um, and then I uh, learned about North Coast opportunities. I applied for a role as an AmeriCorps Vista, uh, serving the Gardens Project, which I know is also a uh, shared life experience of ours. <laughs> Um, and We're living the same life. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Parallel universes. Um, and it was in that role with Gardens Project that I learned more about how um, how the built environment and how our surroundings can impact the choices that we make on a day-to-day basis. And, of course, you know, growing your own food helps uh, helps individuals not only eat more vegetables and know that those are really healthy vegetables and know where it's coming from and know, know that no one's life is made worse by uh, the way that it's cultivated. And also, I saw the, the power of how uh, a shared resource like a community garden um, can impact your uh, sense of community cohesion. So anyway, that was a hugely inspirational uh, role for me and really uh, shaped me. As a sidebar that I just like to include because uh, I like to normalize this, I part of my food journey is that uh, I was a uh, EBT CalFresh uh, recipient for um, for a long time when I first came to this county. And I just point that out because I think it's often stigmatized. And um, I think the face of uh, someone who receives EBT is often um, not accurate. And I just uh, want to point that out, sidebar. But um, So EBT CalFresh, for folks who, who maybe don't know or still are using old terms for that, that's what we used to call food stamps. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. No shame whatsoever no. in needing a little support. That is why we have support systems. Yeah, everyone deserves access to food. Um, anyway, from that role, I moved on to doing some farm-to-school work. I was overseeing a countywide farm-to-school project for uh, just uh, actually a few months before I transitioned to um, to my role at the Blue Zones Project. And um, I'm very happy that, uh, well, I mean, part of the reason why I wanted this role was because uh, food policy is a is one of the three priority areas of the um, policy 
department policy area uh, within the Blue Zones project. And we are going to talk about that. But first, for folks who maybe don't know very much about Blue Zones, it's brand new to Mendocino County, but it's not new in the country. Um, It's been around for a little bit. So could you give us kind of like a primer um, just for people who maybe don't know what Blue Zones is on, you know, what Blue Zones is, where it originated and what brought it to Mendocino County? Yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah, so uh, Blue Zones Project is a well-being initiative, community well-being initiative, that's brought to each community through the support of forward-thinking community sponsors. The value is improved well, uh, improved well-being through healthier choices, offered where uh, people live, work, play, such as work sites, schools, grocery stores, and restaurants. Projects are generally three to five years. And because sponsors fund the project, there's no cost to individuals or local organizations to participate. And who are our sponsors? So that would be Adventist Health. And Adventist Health is a um, is the lead sponsor of Blue Zones Project in Mendocino County. Uh, their health's mission is to live God's love by inspiring health, wholeness, and hope. They recognize the incredible opportunity to partner with Blue Zones Project to help guide this work and make a positive impact throughout our communities and help make the healthy choice the easy choice and ultimately improve the health and well-being of the community. So pretty much anyone listening, except maybe some of my friends that listen from other areas, (laughs) thanks friends, um, know what Adventist Health is. It's the Mm -hmm. largest healthcare provider in our county, so I don't think that's new to anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, Adventist is obviously a religious organization. Blue Zones itself isn't inherently religious, right? It's just that our sponsor happens to to have a, a religious background. Right. So so that's accurate, but so there's a caveat there that um you know, part of this National Geographic study did find that people who uh live with um live within cohesive communities and who have a sense of purpose do live longer, healthier lives. And so one of the manifestations of that is that uh faith based communities uh or or people with faith in their lives uh, do do actually live about what is it seven years longer on average? Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be faith, uh, but they have found that that faith is is a way. Um, Any faith, okay. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter what your faith is. Just if no. you have that sort of like a belief system, you believe in something larger than yourself. Yeah, that helps you live longer. So. Yeah, I'm worried about us getting into a little bit of a digression, but I will say well, anyway it's interesting. that um, it's an interesting. I know, I think it's interesting topic. too. So one of the like breakdowns of that is that um, sitting quietly, having meditative space, mm-hmm. is really good for your cholesterol, for your blood pressure, for all of these things. And that you know, folks who say it's prayer or worship or or meditation or you know whatever, it, what they well, uh, a lot of people who practice faith. Um, by practicing faith, they have built in these like systems to downshift and mm-hmm. sit quietly and breathe and be just in the moment. And so, you know, realistically, like that's uh, that's a, a big part of what sure. makes it healthy. I don't think that's a digression because honestly, farming is can be a meditative state. Mm-hmm. And it, was <laughs> it in How to Grow More Vegetables where he talks about hoe leaning? Yeah, so and building Aikido into your yeah, practice. So yeah, so I, I don't think that's a digression at all. I think we just right. made this highly relevant to the Farming <laughs> Garden Show. Love it. <laughs> um, so Blue Zones, you said, is typically three to five years long. Is that pre-established? 
before a sponsor starts? Like, do we know if we're doing three years or five years? Or is it sort of like if by three years we haven't hit the measures, we push out to four and five? Yeah, I would actually kind of turn that on its head. Oh, sorry. Do you want to? Oh, no, no. It's totally fine. So, <laughs> um, so we start off with like a blueprint, which is our scope of work. And that is um, built by input from the community members that are volunteering their time to help us and give us their input as far as like what are the gaps and how can we fill in those gaps with support. So, because we want it to be sustainable, you know, and so. Uh, so it can change um, if, you know, three to five years is definitely kind of like a huge range, but it can change. And it's based off of if we hit the, the points, but also if the need is there as well. Got it. And so there's a lot of factors that come into it. And um, but, yeah, the blueprint, it is a living, breathing thing. And so um, it consists of policy people and places and mm-hmm. the people that's kind of my um, my sector alongside with Asisena and uh, Chavez Huerta and she uh, she does the engagement outreach and uh, Ryan our uh, org lead he works with grocery stores schools the places and Lucy mm-hmm. she does yep I do policy work <laughs> So what metrics are used to measure the success? How will Blue Zones know if you've hit your your goals? Yeah, so um, we have a couple different ways. So this could be sort of a long answer, but... Um, That's okay. This is, you know, this is something that Im- is going to impact all of us. So mm-hmm. let's take this opportunity to let folks know what you're doing. Sure. So, so we have sort of the uh, dry way of considering if we've, you know... Uh, reached our metrics of success, which is, you know, that we would have developed at least three policies for the built environment and um, developed, you know, however many marquee projects, which is like changes, palatable, palpable changes to uh, to our surroundings. Um, we will have engaged, you know, X amount of schools. I guess I can tell the actual numbers of these things. There's no secrets here. Yeah, no, it's not a secret. This is a safe space, Lucy. I guess I just think that this part is slightly less interesting. But um, (laughs) so we will have reached uh, 50% of the the public schools uh, within the county. We will have uh, developed walking school buses and safe routes to school using, you know, through our networks and program partners. Nothing that we do is ever in a vacuum. Everything that we do is, you know, we're a community well-being initiative. So we work by uh, building coalitions and empowering people and folks empowering us. And um, everything that we do is in collaboration. Uh, We will work with... um, 25% of the grocery stores in the county and 15 of the largest employers in the county uh, to create work sites um, that are uh, more conducive to employee health. And then what I do think is interesting is our, um, so we'll have these checklists. Okay, did we engage with these people? Did we do these things? Did we change these policies? Check, check, check. Okay, we're, we're reaching these like benchmarks of progress. But what I actually think is interesting is our, is the, the, uh, metrics of, of uh, impact. So um, what, we'll, what we're striving for is changes to, um, it's actually 18, 20, about 40 different um, indicators of, of health throughout our community. So it's things like, do people report that um, 
they receive recognition for helping to improve the area where they live, which, you know, to us translates into uh, a sense of purpose and um, having a having community well-being. Is there, do people uh, respond to surveys um, feeling positively about their financial well-being? Do they have what they need to uh you know, to feel not only sustained but to be to be thriving, um, and then there's there's social well-being. How how have folks um, experienced with social cohesion and connectivity, and how is their social life? How has that changed? So, um, and then and then there is also physical well-being. So, have rates of exercise changed? Have have people started walking more? Do people use active transportation, which is you know walking or biking for transportation, uh, more than they did at the beginning of our project? So over the course of this project, we're, we're measuring changes to um, to all of these different community health indicators. Um, and for us, I mean, within our team, we like yes, we have to check out the check off these boxes of you know did we reach out to fifty percent of the schools? Sure, but but we're not going to be satisfied unless uh-huh. we um, make some sort of realistic change. Cool. So when you're talking about active modes of um I don't think you said commuting, but that, I'm going to say commuting. Sure. Does that include, you know, working with city and other government entities to build um, or reinforce bike lanes, for instance? Yeah. Cool. And I love the idea of a walking school bus. As a parent of a kindergartner next year, um, I think it'll be very cool if she's able to walk or ride her bike. Um, so that's excellent. You mentioned that you're not doing anything in a vacuum and you want to build coalitions. And to that end, I think it's really relevant to mention that today is the 17th. Two days from now, on Saturday, March 19th, you are doing the official kickoff event for Inland Mendocino County. So congratulations on that. It is at the Alex Roraba Recreation Center, a little bit south of Ukiah. Um, There are going to be additional kickoff events on the coast and the northern part of the county in the coming months, but for now, you're doing this big inland event this Saturday at 11 at Alex Roraba Recreation Center. Uh, What's going to happen at the event? Can anyone go? What what can people expect? Well, um, it's open to the public, so anyone could participate. It's free, and uh, we're going to have uh, speakers, uh, Juan Orozco, Jackie Orozco, Mo Mulherin. She's going to be coming in with her country fusion, so put on your boots or your dancing shoes. <laughs> and also... Um, Space will be there presenting, and Nick Butner. He'll be uh, speaking on behalf of uh, just telling the story, how it happened, and also, um, let's see what else. Um, will there be food and drink? There will be food, drinks, taste buds, uh, taste of Nepal. Veggie bliss. Veggie bliss. <laughs> yes, they're going to do food, free food sam- samples. Ooh. Samples. And also, we're we're gonna have our smoothie bike, which I'm so excited. Oh my gosh, I love a smoothie bike. Yes, yeah, so the best. We got the strawberries, we got the bananas, microgreens from um, Mendo Grass. Mm-hmm. They're and, a Ukiah-based company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's going to be fun. I've seen pictures and um, and videos, and it looks like a lot of fun. So of other of past launch events, you mean? Uh, of past uh, smoothie bites. Oh, like sure. Like in mm-hmm. the in the um, previous kickoffs, mm-hmm. and so cool. yeah, really excited. We're going to have um, Northern Circle Indian Housing Authority, um, NCOs Volunteer Network, Garden Project. Uh, 
The Mendocino College Ag Department is coming, and they're giving away free plant starts. It's what I'm most excited about. (laughs) It's the time of year for it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a lot happening, a lot of information that will be passed around, um, food demonstrations, uh, uh, dancing demos. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. Yeah, yeah, and I I just want to add, I mean, I know that... The show we're speaking English right now, but um, uh, but there will be um, translators um, during the event, and and this will be a bilingual event. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so yeah. we're pretty excited about that. Yeah, will there be an opportunity for people who attend to provide input onto what they'd like to see Blue Zones focusing on? Um, or are there other mechanisms for people to provide input or participate in the process? Because Blue Zones is huge Mm -hmm. um it is has money and staff and tangible goals and i think that that is all very exciting and without community buy-in you won't get very far which i think Mm -hmm. you are well aware of so what are the mechanisms (laughs) for for folks to get involved provide input provide feedback Mm -hmm. awesome Um, So first off, for the people sector, uh, we have the engagement sector committee, which was uh, the first meeting was today, and uh, we'll have uh, future meetings, but anyone could participate, and and that will give us uh, input and like kind of like steering us the right direction on outreach, like who are we missing and who do we want? We want to include everyone. So we want, cause we want this to be sustainable as possible and having all the input and then, uh, then we'll know the gaps, you know? So, uh, yeah, if you are interested in, uh, participating, you could go to, or send us an email or check us out on Facebook. But our email is BZP Mendocino County at sharecare.com. BZP for Blue Zones Project. Mm-hmm. BZP Mendocino County mm-hmm. at sharecare.com. Sharecare.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But you could also probably just Google Blue Zones Mendocino County. Oh, that totally. would work. And yeah, get to you that, that way. way. <laughs> Facebook and type in Blue Zones oh, Mendocino yeah, County. On yeah. Facebook and yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. Um, and if I could also plug some food specific mm-hmm. uh, opportunities for input is, um, well, a couple things. I, I will say that at this point in our process, there have been uh, myriad opportunities for folks to give input. And the the model of our project is, you know, as we keep saying, it's a community well-being initiative. And so nothing that we ever do is without input and without, um, it just continued activity by by other folks so um there's always opportunities to give input uh the the food summit report i actually want to shout out some of the folks who gave input as we were deciding what our uh, food policy priorities were we had folks from the university of california cooperative extension food policy council uh which is existing now um or it's being revamped right now uh, folks from who work for the county, folks who work for local businesses, um, folks from nor- northern, I'm sorry, North Coast Opportunities, where I worked for years. <laughs> North who? We don't always say it out loud. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, 
folks from the the Willits Economic Localization, the Well, and um, the Anderson Valley Food Shed, and there are a whole bunch of other people here. But I just wanted to shout out some of those some of those big names. So there have been opportunities for folks to give input. There will continue to be opportunities, and one of which is um, in this reformation of the Food Policy Council, which I had a really really great meeting with Sarah Bodner today, who's the the chair of of the Food Policy Council for Mendocino County. Uh, she and I have been dreaming and strategizing about uh, how, would, how to relaunch the council because um, it fell into a little bit of a hiatus during the pandemic. And she especially, you know, she wants to be really deliberate about building equity into the council and into the goals um, and to the, into the structure. She has this great uh, organizational mindset. Anyway, um, if folks have have interest in being part of that council or giving input on on how this the council is formed or perhaps what some of the goals are, um, I'm I'm happy with uh, the an email coming to to me personally. I'm I'm fine sharing that um, or you know Google <laughs> Blue Zones Project Mendocino County, but um, I'll share my my email address is Lucy L U C Y dot Bartholomew, B-A-R-T-H-O-L-O-M-E-W, at ShareCare, S-H-A-R-E-C-A-R-E, dot com. Great. Well, we are going to talk about the Food Policy Discovery Report. Um, first, cool. I'm going to take just a moment to reintroduce you. If you are just tuning in, this is Elizabeth Archer, host of the Farm and Garden Show. My guests are Lucy Bartholomew and Michelle Duarte of the newly formed Blue Zones Mendocino Project. I am going to open up the phone lines if anyone has questions or comments. 707-895-2448. Again, if you want to give us a buzz, 707-895-2448. Until then, let's keep talking. So tell me about the Food Policy Discovery Report. You just completed it, is that correct? Well... Sorry, we immediately have a caller. Fun. And I love callers. <laughs> Let's take it. Hi, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. 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 Can you turn your radio off? I wanted to ask a question and uh, give some input. Okay. The thing that brought me, the thing that brought me to Blue Zones initially was the outcomes of projects in other towns. I remember hearing the outcomes of childhood obesity in some project they were doing somewhere after they had been there for two years. And so I I would really like to hear um, outcomes of other places and how that, uh, you know, that got me interested years ago in Blue Zone and we had the Blue Zone uh, Project six Saturday workshops in Fort Bragg um, a year and a half, two years ago before the thing. So every Saturday we'd get together and we decided that after meeting with 60 people that Mendocino County was probably 70% already a Blue Zone with all of us vegetarians and gardeners here. And the third thing I wanted to mention is Newport Beach. You had a project in Newport Beach for the Blue Zones, and one of the most fun things I discovered was when I went to the hotel there, I opened their, you know, book of suggested nearby restaurants, and the restaurants had blue stars by them, the restaurants that had um, 
vegan and vegetarian and plant-based options available, which I think is a great idea for the travelers coming especially to the coast and things because as a vegetarian, I know that it's hard to find the right place right away, and now all I have to do is look at the blue stars. So those are my uh, requests and suggestions, blue stars. And I signed up a long time ago to be part of this and give input, and I've never had any response from the two or three emails I sent to register. So I hope you have an outreach person that can keep those of us who registered to be a part of Blue Zone um, informed, even just an um, email or an update. Can uh, you tell us where you registered? Will it? Uh, I'm sorry, like, I mean, was what, it an online form, or? Um, probably both, because when I hear about it, I write down your address, and um, anyway, I can talk to you about that afterwards, or okay. something that I, Great. I've well, never had a response, so I'd, I'd urge you to um, talk more about the outcome metrics and the outcomes of your your process in schools and the dramatic, dramatic change in childhood obesity in those schools that have tried this. And so that really hooked, hooked me to the project. Cool. Thank you. Thanks and for the what, what time is Butner going to be at your opening? What time is he, he scheduled for his speech? I'll let, go, thanks for the call. I'm going to have them answer you offline. Can you? Uh, yep, okay. they're going to answer you offline. What time is that speech? That speech will be at 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock, listener. Also, I will say, it sounds like, first of all, thank you for the call. Um, This is Elizabeth, the host. I don't work for Blue Zones, but it sounds like maybe you filled out some forms before Blue Zones Mendocino was fully staffed up. Um, So I would encourage you and anyone else who's contacted Blue Zones and maybe hasn't gotten an answer to just reach out one more time. Mm -hmm. Now there, there are staff um, who are monitoring those, those boxes and those social media accounts. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Food policy discovery report. Talk to me. Sure. Well, uh, First, I want to um, respond to a couple things from the caller because I think that those were some really good points. So uh, the point that she brought up about um, about the hotel that she had seen with the blue stars that said, you know, this is a place that's been uh, certified as a as a uh, blue zones hotel or a, a place that prioritizes blue tr- blue zones choices. Uh, that is something that we will be implementing in this county. Our um, organizational lead, Ryan Vaness, who, who can't be here today, but uh, he is the person who is engaging with um, places, all types of places, grocery stores, schools, uh, restaurants, and, um, and that signage within these places that you go that says, you know, here, here are some healthy choices if you're interested. Here's, like, just making it... Um, obvious and beautiful and exciting to make the healthy choices uh that's something that he is already really excelling at and he just Mm -hmm. got started and so uh folks will see that um more over the next five years cool so before the show started michelle and lucy and i were having a little chat and i think it's important to talk about health 
and how it's not always about like low calorie, low fat. Um, and you were mentioning that at this event on Saturday, you are going to have sugar sweetened beverages like horchata and jamaica and maybe other aguas frescas because even though there's sugar in them, that is a cultural touch- touchstone. And also, it's healthy for like the soul. Mm-hmm. And I think that that can get lost sometimes when we talk about health, that it's not just about restricting. You know, I don't actually believe that health is based in any way on calorie restriction. Um, and I eat a lot of vegetables and lean proteins and mm-hmm. legumes. And so, but I also will eat what I want. I eat bread and sugar and I'll definitely chug a horchata if I come on <laughs> Saturday. So um, what, how does Blue Zones feel or maybe how do you two feel personally, if you don't want to talk to, you know, Blue Zones as the sort of like larger corporate entity about the the, the critical nourishing of our soul with food and not just our bodies? I love how you put that. Mm-hmm. Do you want to? Um, <laughs> see. Well, um, me personally, you know, I, you know. Time of celebration, you know, I would like to have a piece of cake or um, have, you know, uh, meat or um, fish or whatever. And but um, what we're about is, you know, having about choices. So making the healthy choice the easy choice, but also having a choice to have whatever you would like. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's really well put, and I totally agree on on all sides. I um, I'm not a person who is especially restrictive in those things, mm-hmm. and uh, and Blue Zones really does value choice, and um, you know, and our, and our intention, as we've we've said before, is that um, you know the healthy choice is the one that is most convenient and most compelling and most exciting. But um, you know, specifically with the on the sugar front, I I'm glad that you brought this up. It's kind of funny. We're sort of just riffing about it before uh-huh. we came into the show, but. The way that um, that our local team—I'm not going to speak for Blue Zones as a as a whole—but mm-hmm. we had this really interesting, great dialogue about about sugar sweetened beverages um, the other day, which generally we, you know, would be discouraging of having uh, tons and tons of sugar. But we got into the conversation about cultural relevance, mm-hmm. and um, and we came around to the understanding that you know we agree that that something like horchata or jamaica is like it's nourishing to the soul but it's also you know there's there's so much legacy in in something like that and the tradition and the tradition of having birthday cake is mm-hmm. is not something that we're comfortable saying no to i mean i'm norwegian and and i have kringle um during the the holidays and that's something that's really that i just cherish anyway but the point is we, we got to this point where we realized that um that we do feel comfortable um, taking a stance against uh, corporate sugar and you know the sugar industry, big sugar and sugar lobbying, which which plays a really profound role on on our policies yes, and, and our health. Yeah. Um, but in terms of being restrictive or uh, telling anyone no, don't have sugar, especially something that's you know, culturally relevant. Like that's that's not our that's not our place, and it's not our interest. Mm-hmm. I would also argue that a homemade sugar sweetened beverage usually yeah. is going to have significantly less oh. sugar than mm-hmm. a soda. I think you're right about that. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, and you can also use a shameless plug here, honey. Honey. <laughs> 
beekeeper's wife says, blushingly. Uh, <laughs> um, I love the anti-corporate sugar stands, and I think mm-hmm. that's something that will resonate in Mendocino County. I liked what the caller said that by her estimation, or maybe her that group's estimation, Mendocino is already maybe like 70% of the way to, yeah. to the blue zone. So mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Um, and I think like anything, there's room for improvement. Um, I am determined to talk about the food policy discovery report. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh that's where we're here. Yeah. <laughs> so you had a food policy summit. Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned some of the folks that attended that and the organizations. And can you just kind of give us a high level take some high level takeaways about the food policy report any cool findings any surprises yeah for sure so um so there are actually two reports and i this is a little bit of semantics but (laughs) first there was a discovery report that was produced i think in december maybe it was even november anyway uh end of 2021 uh, and that was based off of, you know, white papers and gray papers and a few uh, one-on-one interviews with, like, key informants folks in our county who are really knowledgeable about food and our food systems and our and our gaps and strategies and opportunities. And then that fed into a report that informed a, uh, a workshop that was uh, the, the Food Policy Summit. So this summit was, um, it was a facilitated dialogue with uh, this woman who I just really admire um maddie maggie adirondack who that is not her last name oh my goodness i'm so sorry Sorry, i'm forgetting her last name i think she probably won't hear this oh anyway (laughs) (laughs) anyway maggie this incredible woman who i respect even though i can't remember her last name um is an expert in food policy uh nationally and uh so she facilitated this dialogue where uh folks were asked to um give input on what assets and priorities um and resources were in our community and then uh from that um from this dialogue uh came this this summit report which includes um key priorities for well really mostly for for my work i'm the the lead on um uh, facilitating these priorities uh, to be um, met, to be completed, the goals to be met. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't mind, I'm just going to kind of read them at a high level. Sure. So, so our, our first objective is to uh, quote improve healthy food access in institutional environments and for underserved populations. So this is, you know, of course, considering um, schools and um, and uh, the you know the my gosh, what am I trying to say? <laughs> Schools, workplaces, and the the jail in um, Ukiah, which already has a really incredible. If if you guys don't know about the the garden at the jail, just like Google it. It's amazing. It's an incredible. Program. And if you want to work there, I think they're looking for a garden manager. Are they still hiring? I think. Ooh, they are. All right, cool. That's uh, good to know. Somebody definitely. Somebody great should take that role because it's that's uh, a really good job doing something really really important. Anyway, but that's also so another strategy within this institutional uh, food access goal is to establish food insecurity screenings as part of patient intake. Uh, food insecurity screenings. Yeah, uh-huh. food insecurity mm-hmm. screenings. Yeah, and um, these have been done really well in other communities so that they um, destigmatize uh, talking about your food insecurity. Um, and so um, 
you know, so we're, we're looking to the success of other communities to um, leverage a really good um, intake form here. So anyway, so objective one, food in institutional environments and for underserved populations. Sure. Mm-hmm. That's um, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, it should be, should be pretty cool. <laughs> Does that also include any assistance with getting resources? You mean like so? Like if, you, if I am determined, yeah, to be food insecure, I imagine right. then Blue Zones wants to do something with that information rather than just be like, well, this person's food insecure. Next, yeah. So, so we are not authorized to sign people up, for example, for for CalFresh or WIC or, or, or any assistance like that. Um, it is within our place. It, it's our place to direct folks to the right agencies, whether it's you know Health and Human Services or um, you know whatever the appropriate. Uh, the appropriate helping body is. Um, but I, I do think it's important to make clear that the work that we're doing is not necessarily programmatic. We don't, we don't necessarily do um, direct service with clients. We're, we're really here to, to build and, and change uh, systems. So that could include, um, you know, educating folks in the community about how to sign up for for those things, but but we don't um, provide provide direct assistance. Sure, but even the process of making people av- aware of what resources are available to them mm-hmm. can have tremendous impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. when you're really you know in a tough spot, it's mm-hmm. hard to know what is available to you. So Definitely. yeah, just increasing even awareness of of what's mm-hmm. out there for food insecure people is could be impactful. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I um, I'm glad you said that. I totally agree with you. Um, so our second objective is to increase healthy food and beverage os- options for youth in places where they spend time. So you know, this is really um, schools and working with um, school wellness policies to um, to include healthy options on campuses. And you know, again, the same theme of it doesn't mean reducing choices or taking things completely off of the menu. It's just making um, uh, healthy choices that are also delicious available. Yeah, and that's work that has you know that NCO started. Yeah, first opportunity mm-hmm. started. Gosh, I mean decades ago probably but certainly right. there was a, a USDA block grant a couple years ago that was really focused on getting equipment into school kitchens doing from scratch cooking mm-hmm. so that's nice that there's like a, a little bit of a groundwork laid for blue zones there in working with the schools to continue that work yeah absolutely mm-hmm. yeah yeah and NCO is I mean obviously I worked for NCO for years and so I love NCO and, um... same guilty <laughs> hasn't worked friends i mean really they're an enormous employer right right yeah and and also who hasn't been impacted by nco I mean, really NCO yeah. does yeah far-reaching really incredible work proud to have uh worked there so good <laughs> so you had mentioned the oh sorry do you have more no. um goals you were yeah, sorry it's going, okay well going. i could do it quickly so we could get into the nits, nitty-gritty uh, so the third objective is create comprehensive approaches to supporting local producers that supply local markets. So part of this, for example, is uh, working with um, uh, the Mendo Lake Food Hub. Uh, it was actually a, a direct request um, from them that, that we support them in building out their um, business plan, which this time of year is really busy for them. So they asked that we table that until fall, but... Uh, 
but then you know once they have a little more space this is obviously a busy time on the farm but (laughs) that's really amazing timing because what i was going to ask you about was the food hub yeah um, and how blue zones is going to work with the food hub because talk about infrastructure already in place to increase access to healthy local food yeah absolutely um yeah so yeah like i just mentioned they're like pretty swamped. They just, I guess, got a couple new grants, and this is a really busy time of year, but um, but we're very committed to, to working with them, and, you know, come fall, when they have a second to sort of breathe, then, well, sort of breathe, then they just become busy doing other work. Right. <laughs> and that's where we'll fit in. <laughs> My understanding, not to go too far on this tangent, but I think it's well established that I am a Food Hub super fan. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the grants they just got is going to enable them to buy a new refrigerated truck. That's oh, great. I haven't heard that. Desperately needed. I hope mm-hmm. I'm not blowing that in- that information that someone told me in passing. I don't think that's a secret. <laughs> grants are typically publicly um, made. Not, uh, people should know about it anyway. I think it's cool. Yeah. And desperately needed. And then working with the Food Policy Council, bringing back the Food Policy Council, which you mentioned before. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so Sarah Bonner is the chair of that. And I've been working pretty closely with her as we're uh, building out a, a, a plan for for this year and then, you know, in, in subsequent years. Um, so we're doing a lot of behind the scenes work. We're developing a um, advisory group sort of steering committee to be um in uh to be guiding this process in the the interim um so that we're very deliberate about relaunching the uh council um so she has been really um at the helm of uh writing some grants that i've been supporting her with uh just a little bit here and there uh with the intention of of using any funds to um directly build build equity into uh, some of those. Yeah, let's talk about building equity. Cool. For sure. <laughs> just say more things. Oh, just like that's just the go. prompt. <laughs> well, like, would you say yeah. that building equity... Yeah, that's the prompt. Great. <laughs> um, would, you, would you say that building equity in general is a core value of Blue Zones, or is that a core value of Blue Zones Mendocino? Can that... I mean... Uh, I believe I believe so. Uh, internally and externally, um, equity. Um, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I. <laughs> you know, I do see. I see Blue Zones Project uh, prioritizing um, adapting their work to be more equitable. For example, we have all of these workshops that we've been going to about. Uh, health equity, diversity, and inclusion. Heidi or Hetty, Hetty, excuse mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and I'm really excited about that. I will also share that when I first uh, found out about this role, my concern was that uh, the way that the project was designed was one that would predominantly be serving um, the most affluent in our community. That's what I was that's what I was really afraid of. And you know, I looked into it more and I was like, is this the kind of organization that's going to say everyone should eat, you know, kale? That doesn't feel appropriate to me. And and I'll also, you know, maybe I I'll also say that I um 
Well, actually, I'll leave it at that. I was I was nervous about the way that this project could be implemented. And then I met some of the team members, um, and I was really reassured that the local team, um, which I, I'm just, like, in love with our local oh, team. It's <laughs> so cool. Um, really did... Um, interpret the work of blue zones to in a way to manifest a equity driven model in our county and you know every single one of us like you know the the term equity the um this like lens of of health justice and and access and destigmatization and um health as a as a right is um something that it just it feels like such a cornerstone of of all of our uh, purpose within mm-hmm. this work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that was maybe I'm being too transparent or maybe not. I yeah. don't know. There's no <laughs> such thing as too much transparency. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, we talk about equity and people typically m- interpret that as, you know, supporting people who don't have a bunch of money, you know, Mm -hmm. poor people, people from less, you know, socioeconomically privileged backgrounds. Uh, We also tend to talk about equity when we're talking about, you know, black, brown, indigenous people. I think what, which is very important, I'm not, I don't want to underplay that, but I'm a white woman, so I can't speak to being black, brown, or indigenous. Uh, What I can speak to is being fat. I am a self-identified fat woman. I use that term neutrally. Um, Fat is not a bad word. It is just a type of body that lots of people have. And I think what gets lost sometimes in equity, and I think it's very critical when we're talking about a health-based equity program that we talk Mm. about fat bodies. Now, this is not like a gotcha moment because I talked with these ladies beforehand (laughs) about this topic. Um, But I, like maybe a lot of you, took the real age survey when it came out, the real age test. Um, Maybe some of you saw this on social media. It was one of the first things Blue Zones did in the community. And at the end of that survey... (laughs) It was really annoying. It told me to get off the couch, quit eating junk, and shed extra weight, which was really inappropriate and offensive because it didn't ask me if I was happy with my weight. Um, it Basically, all I said was that I ate bread, and I guess that's junk. Um, and it didn't ask me if I had a history of eating disorders, which would be really um, triggering to be told to lose weight. So you have since told me that that test was developed by Boston University, and they administer the test and aggregate the results, and that they're in the process of rewriting that test. So that's great. Um Anti-fat bias is so rampant in the medical system, and it's actually, there is quite a bit of research that shows that it's not fatness that results in poor health outcomes, Mm -hmm. it's anti-fat bias, because, you know, the first thing doctors typically say, if you're fat, no matter what your ailment is, you have a headache, lose weight, you Mm -hmm. have joint pain, lose weight. Um, and often, you know, that headache could be like a brain tumor and then you die from a very treatable tumor. Um, fat people also delay care because we experience so much medical trauma. So 
First, I just want to share with listeners that Michelle and Lucy had were aghast at the results I got from Boston University um, because that is not how the results were transmitted to Blue Zones. Um, and that it sparked my asking this question, because I asked in advance if this was a topic they were comfortable talking about, that it sparked some good conversations. So I would just love your hot take on, you know, how... Comments like mine, and maybe certainly other people are thinking it. I think there is a lot of stigma and shame. Someone's calling. I'm sorry, caller. I can't take that call right now. Um, we're going to stay focused on this topic. Maybe in a minute we'll have time. Um, so, yeah, just can you talk a little bit about what my comments have led your team to talk about and how you want to try to hopefully address this anti-fat bias in the Blue Zones work? Yeah, absolutely. So... I mean, Elizabeth is totally right that uh, we were aghast and used, uh, you know, there was more colorful language used off air that we can't use on air when we were <laughs> discussing this. But, um, you know, I think Elizabeth is completely right. And I, if I can share uh, just a total sidebar, I, I have a, a good friend who was diagnosed as uh having atypical anorexia nervosa and I was like I asked her about it and she's I was like what makes it atypical and she said well because I'm overweight and it was like okay but then are the symptoms any different no it's still like you know this compulsive behavior the anxiety the um, low energy levels like all of the things were you know her impacts on her her hair and skin and the way that her body was feeling it was just like oh the the only thing that's atypical about this which thereby negates her access to care was was her weight and and i just share that because i just found it really uh scary and frustrating and it's an absolute sidebar so (laughs) it's super relevant though because we don't tell thin people to gain weight even though thin people actually have worse health outcomes than fat people Mm -hmm. um just because we live in such an anti-fat bias society Mm -hmm. that like thin is the standard that we all are supposed to be striving for Mm -hmm. and how could you possibly have an eating disorder if you're fat um whereas I would say almost all fat people have engaged in disordered eating and that diets typically recommend disordered eating. Mm -hmm. And we just don't label it as that unless, you know, you're starting to grow fuzz because you're so skinny, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's when we think of eating disorders. So I don't think that's an irrelevant sidebar at all. Mm -hmm. Also, I wish we'd started this sooner because now we only have a couple minutes left. Oh my goodness. And we're getting a bunch of calls and I can't (laughs) take them. Well, maybe I'll just... uh get to one of the points, which is that the the Boston University, so, uh, you know, obviously they do a lot of good work. This is a, a space where they could definitely improve. And um, Michelle and I will be um, submitting this feedback to our contacts that we have, like, it's like third tier that we contact someone and they contact someone, they contact Boston okay. University. Got to start somewhere. We're doing that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, um, I haven't heard the specific feedback that Boston University has gotten so far, but I can say that they are um, currently redesigning the test, and hopefully um, this will be integrated into that that redesign. And I just, um, I'm so sorry, and honestly, uh, pretty embarrassed that you that you you got that feedback. Thank you. You know, I'm I'm guessing this is one persistent caller, so I am gonna take it. Hi, caller. You are live on the air. You have about 30 seconds. All right, 30 seconds. Uh, There are fat people and there are obese people, and the one group is just, they're the fat, they're just big people. They have big bone structures, and they're big, and they carry extra weight, but they're not, they're not unhealthy. 
Um, okay, uh, you know, thanks for that call. I am going to challenge the notion that, um, first of all, I don't use terms like fat, uh, excuse me, like overweight and obese because those are stigmatized. There's fat. The categories of fat are small fat, medium fat, super fat, and infinifat. And there is no reason that an infinifat can't be um, healthy. And I would also add that no one owes anyone else health. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.